You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. We find in Scripture the uh, analogy, the illustration of training like an athlete would train, like someone would train to be physically healthy and fit, uh, that we are to train ourselves in godliness. And there are a lot of things, I'm not going to write all of the review down, um, we've been in this for a number of weeks now, there are a lot of things that we're trying to do that we would do much better if we would what? If we were trained to do it. There, you know, we've, we've tried to be good, you know, we've, we've tried to be kind, we've tried to overcome temptation, we've done all those things for years and years and years. And I think one of the problems is actually the paradigm, the mindset that we have, that it's this trying mindset and you should try you should have effort but you're trying and your effort's going to have much greater uh fruit in your life if we actually train to do it and that's largely what the purpose of the bible is for and largely what the purpose and mission of the holy spirit in our life is to help us and to teach us and help us to grow we're in progress we're making progress there's a process that we're going through rather than just this pass fail trying kind of mindset so the ultimate goal of our training uh in godliness is so that we can be a blessing in somebody's lives let's not be so short-sighted and selfish as to think that you know, Lord, just bless me so I can be happy and so I can have these things in my life or whatever. That's very short-sighted. And I don't believe that God will will or can trust to fully bless you if that's the mindset. We find way back in the Abrahamic covenant that the purpose of God blessing Abraham was ultimately so that he could be... So that he could be a blessing. And that continues on for us that the ultimate purpose of a blessing is not just to fix you and to help you, but to make you a blessing. Well, in current state, a lot of times we're not going to be much of a blessing. We've got to have some progress. We've got to have some things kind of come together in our life. And if you remember last week, one gentleman had shared with me an easy way to remember it is high school football. Do you remember what it actually stands for? That we would be happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. And the end result of that, as I've already said, is so that we can be a blessing. And a real blessing. A real blessing. And as I've said, and I need to emphasize this, if you're not happy, if you're not stable, if you're not fruitful, if you don't have the blessing of God on your life, you're not going to be a blessing And further, people don't want you to try to be a blessing uh, in their life. They don't want, if those things are missing and fractured in our life, let's just face it, that's not going to work. So this in-training process that we're in actually produces and improves and increases these things in our life that we would be. And forgive me for saying it again, but I'm telling you what, my assignment is to make sure that you know this is that you would be more happy, more stable, more fruitful, more blessed, and we really would be a blessing to people around us. Can I get an amen from anybody? Now, we're talking, uh, in talking about in training, we're actually talking about spiritual disciplines. These are practices, that, and, and this is a whole study and discipline in itself. 
but spiritual disciplines. And you already know largely what they are, but we've not applied ourselves to actually train in these things. And so initially what I set out to do with this series was just to make you aware that you should be in training, that you should be applying these things. And and in prayer and preparation, I really feel that the Holy Spirit has prompted me and is directly leading me that not only make sure that you know that you should do it, but show you what to do and how to do it. And so uh, we're going to take you know, the bulk of the rest of the summer and talk about spiritual disciplines. Now, before we go further with that, your outcomes in life, some of those things you can control. Hey, y'all, we're in church. Hello, we're here. Some of the outcomes of life you can control. Some things, some of your outcomes in life, you, you couldn't control that. Other people's decisions, other things that happen, things way bigger than you that, that have impacted you in big ways. If that's you, come on, somebody let, let me know, okay? So those outcomes don't necessarily uh, get much of a say-so in. However, what happens to you, let me say it this way, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. So that's your your secondary responsibility. But there are a lot of things in our life that we can control the outcome. So if we could control the elements leading to that outcome, shouldn't we do a better job at trying to control those things? So there are three areas of our life um, in general that will all add up to our outcomes, the ones that we can control. And it has to do with how we think, how we speak, and what we do. How you think is so important. And if you've got stinking thinking, I promise you there's going to be something smelly about your outcomes. Okay. And then words, death and life are in the power of your words. They're so powerful, so powerful. They're either poison or they're a gift. And our words are to be seasoned with grace. Your words are so powerful. And actually out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So how you think how you speak, and then the decisions that you make. And I'm going to tell you those decisions pretty much grow out of how you think and how you speak. Bless you. So how you think and how you speak, and then the decisions come out of that, and they produce the outcomes that you and I can uh, control. Now, spiritual disciplines directly apply to how we think and how we speak and what we do. And we looked at the first one that I believe is the most important spiritual discipline last week, does anybody remember what, it, what we called it? Study. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. There is a classical list of, of um, disciplines and it's broken into two parts and it's things that we engage in and things we abstain from. So there's some things we abstain from. Just like a, an athlete, if he's training for something, there are some things that he must abstain from. I can't eat that right now. I can't stay up that late. I can't go there with you guys right now. Why? I'm in training. And there's other things that he must engage in, you know, this exercise or getting up this early or eating this way. There are things that you abstain from. There's things that you engage in. If you're with me so far, bob your head, do something. Okay. All right. One of the disciplines of engagement, and I believe it's the biggest one because the rest of them, you won't have, it won't make sense. You won't have motivation really to do, but the biggest one we call study. And it has to do with the Bible. Ultimately, it is this, and I won't, I won't go back and review all of this, but that we read and study and we hear and we meditate. We read, and I hope you're a reader of the Bible. 
If not, go back to last week. Please go back anyway and, and listen on the archive. Watch on the archive. Get it on, the, on our uh, app for smartphones. Get it on podcasts. Go, some way go back and hear that again because without the word of God, you're going to starve. Okay? So we read and study. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to take a couple of weeks on Wednesday night and we're going to spread out and take our time. And I'm going to show you how to study the Bible. You don't need to be afraid of the Bible. And there's so much to be revealed here. God wrote it to us. He didn't just write it to some professors or some monks or something. He wrote it to us, to the whosoevers. Aren't you glad to be a whosoever? So we read and we study and then we hear you're actually engaged in spiritual discipline this morning of first of all, coming together. And also you're hearing the word of God right now. So make it a discipline. Make sure you pay attention. As I say, don't just study the hairdo in front of you. How many of you have ever done that in church though? Okay. Some of you are not wanting to make the people around you feel self-conscious, but you're like, what in the world? You know, no, now everybody's self-conscious. So, uh, but that we hear. And that we also meditate. Do you know what meditate means? To think on, to ponder, to go over and over and over. Joshua 1, Psalm 1 talks about the great benefits of meditating on the Word of God. That you just keep thinking on it, pondering on the Word of God. Well, I want to move today into a huge discipline. And I count this as the second uh, most important. And that is the discipline of prayer. Of prayer. And if you're not a prayer... I hope that you become a prayer and soon prayer by definition is conversing and communicating with God, conversing and communicating with God. And I was going over this the other day and I was meditating and studying and thinking about this. And I want you to get this because we heard this and you, you had the typical regular Christian reaction to this prayer is conversing and communicating with God, Boom, dead air, hear the crickets. I'm going to say it again because this is what rose up in my spirit the other day. Prayer is conversing and communicating with God. And this is what just rose up on the inside of me. Wow. Wow. Everybody say, wow. I mean, we need to get the awareness. Really? That's it? I mean, coming and going just through life, sometimes we run across an artifact or a something. You know, I remember being in a store, uh, over at Disney and they had like things from celebrities and stars and they had shares lighter and they're going to sell it for way more than, you know, what it's worth. And, and there's things like that. This belonged to so-and-so and so-and-so actually sat here and, and this and that, you know, and you get, you, you get all enamored with that kind of thing. And we go, wow, you know, I've, I've gotten to on a couple of trips, you know, and different things run into people, meet or see somebody, you know, it's quote famous or celebrity or whatever. And, you know, you just go, wow. And people will line up to get to a place to see or hear somebody or touch something or see something that some famous person. And wow. And let me just tell you, wow, nothing. Reality is, and get this again, prayer is conversing and communica- communicating with God. Say it with me. Wow. And I want you to just start to think about that a little bit. Really, I, I get to do that? 
I get to do that? Wow. And this is the thing about prayer. When you pray, things change. And when you pray, you change. And when you pray and you see things change and you change, it should make you want to pray. You know, Kay Lynn that was here last night, you know, we showed you her picture earlier. She's a huge amen that through prayer, things change. Her mom told me that as they were leaving, the doctors wanted to express to them, we are astounded. You know what astounded, another word for astounded is? And we love the wow factor for all kinds of things. But you know what? Guess what? Wow. We get to communicate. We get to converse with God. And when we do, when we make that connection with God, <laughs> once you start a real prayer life, you won't ever want to stop. Because you're going to see things change. And you're going to see you change. And you're going to know that prayer is a wonderful and powerful thing. And it will leave you with a lot of wow in your life. Now, a lot of people, their prayer life is what I call reactive. Or situational. And that is they have a situation or something come up and they pray. Guess what? That's okay. That's actually prescribed. You know that, oh no, we've got a situation and, and we should pray. It's okay. I, I think you should, you should do that. Here's the truth. Reality moves you. Follow this. Reality moves you. Not just theory. Not just thoughts. But reality, the real deal stuff of life moves you. But you choose which direction is going to move you. Is it going to move you away from God or is it going to move you toward God? And so I say that when reality strikes, when real life happens, when situations come up, I pray that it moves you toward God. I pray that you would pray. Some people get so religious and starchy and self-righteous that they say, well, the only reason they're praying, the only reason they're back in church is because they wandered off and they, they got in trouble and this messed up and now they're back. Well, I'm glad. Amen. I mean, that's like the little kid who wanders out of the yard and was told not to wander out of the yard and he gets two houses down the street and the big dog scares him and chases him and he comes home. Well, I'm glad he's home. I've been that little guy before. And Jesus said this in Luke 18, 1. He said, you ought to always pray and not faint or give up. And so when situations come, you don't have to come unglued. You don't have to come unwired. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, how are you? I'm about to come unwired. <laughs> it's like they should wear a shirt. Caution, contents under pressure, you know. <laughs> Warning. But pray, pray. And ultimately what prayer is about is the, is the biggest thing in all of our lives. And you ready, ready for this? Who's your source? That's what prayer is about. That's what prayer is about. Who's your source? Or not praying is about who's your source. And see, if you know that God is your source, then you'll go to him and realize that you can. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we, as we go along. But the prayer that I want to talk about is not just reactive prayer and situational prayer, which you should have going on in our life. Instead, this is a discipline of prayer. This is a practice of prayer. This is very deliberate and this is continuous in our life. Let me give you a couple of verses here. Daniel chapter six, verse 10. It says, and in his upper room, 
with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Watch this as was his custom since early days. Daniel had a discipline of prayer in his life. In Colossians chapter four, verse two, it says, continue. Everybody say continue. Continue Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So we're to continue in prayer. This is to be a, 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 a practice, a discipline in our life. It should be a part of our life that we pray. And we're not just waiting for something to crash on us. Come on, I'll rev it up just a little bit here for you, for you. This needs to be a part of our life, not just, I hadn't prayed in weeks because everything's going so good. No, no, it needs to be a a disciplined part of your life. And we'll, we'll continue to unfold this. It's a learned behavior. It's a skill. If you recall one time, the disciples said to the Lord, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And then he gave a model prayer. And let me just touch on this for a moment. Sometimes referred to as the Lord's prayer, probably more technically, it could be considered the disciples prayer. And what he gave them was not just, I want you to pray this prayer word for word every day. That's not necessarily what he was saying. He was giving them a template. He was giving them a model of how to pray to take and, and your prayer, when your prayer is full, it will contain all of those things. But you don't want to just by rote do a prayer. You, you want to make sure that you're using that template to fill out your prayer life and put your heart, your life, your situations in, into that. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why do you think that they said, Lord, teach us to pray? Now, let me go ahead and tell you why. Because they had watched him pray. They knew that he prayed as a discipline and they saw how he lived. They saw what he did. They heard what he said. They saw and witnessed all these things that were going on in his life. And they said, teach us to pray because they saw how his life was. Uh, It's been said that Jesus went from place of prayer to place of prayer, place of prayer to place of prayer with miracles in between. See, sometimes we think that Jesus went from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle, but you really watch it. And you're going to see that he went from place of prayer to place of prayer. He would do these incredible miracles. I mean, masses of people were touched and helped. And you know what he would do immediately? He would withdraw. He would withdraw as he often did. And he would pray, go into the wilderness. One verse, Luke 5, uh, 5, verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus had a discipline, a practice of prayer in his life. Now, I want to give you a couple practical things this morning. I'm actually next week. um, I feel led at this point next week. I'm actually going to give you a whole nother side of prayer. Uh, Some things are going to help you to actually do it. I want to give you some practical things related to prayer. How many of you know that practical is very spiritual? I, I like to put it this way. If you don't take care of the practical things, then the devil can use practically anything against you. And see, sometimes we're so spiritual and woo woo. You know, and there's real deal stuff. We'll, we, we find that it's feet on the ground. You know, eyes on the Lord, but feet on the ground, hand to the plow kind of thing. That's what Christianity is really about. And so we need to know some practical things here. First of all, and I, I believe I said it earlier, in August, the church is going to celebrate 22 years. I can't even believe that. We started the church when I was a year and a half old. And uh, it was 
Amazing. Uh, no, but coming up on 22 years and I'm just, I'm thinking about that, but for, I know this for at least 22 years, I've taught this principle and I, I'm, and if you've been around here for a while, you know, the answer to this. Okay. And I'm going to call for an answer on this. The biggest problem with praying is we don't. The biggest problem with praying is we don't, oh, we know to pray and we believe in prayer. But the biggest problem with prayer, the biggest problem with praying in our lives, let's just be honest. We don't. We don't. And I'll catch myself sometimes, honestly. And this is based on one verse here. James chapter 4 verse 2. The second part of the verse says this. And be on the screen for you here. You do not have because you do not ask. Let's read it together. You do not have because you do not ask. And there have been times, and I'll catch myself, and thank God for the Holy Spirit to remind me. But sometimes you're struggling about something, you're fretting about something, you're worrying about something, you're straining about something. And then you realize, and the Holy Spirit will prompt you and remind you, you do not have because you have not asked. And I cannot tell you how many times the answer came, the solution came, the peace came, the provision came, the direction came, the leading came. Once you ask Amen. and you say, well, doesn't God already know what I need? Why doesn't he just do this? Because I already told you this this morning. The biggest thing he wants you to name him as your source. Amen. And if he just stepped in and did it, we're we're goofy enough. We'd forget who the source was. See? Everything works for me. No, God's helping you, numbskull. Did I say that or did I just think it? (laughs) He's helping you. He's so gracious. He's so patient. He's so kind. He's so protective. He's so long-suffering with you. He's working things out and then we get amazed at ourselves. And it was the hand of God. That was my good driving. That was not your good driving. It was the angels of heaven. And they're putting him for a transfer. (laughs) God is so good and God is your source. And we do not have because we do not ask. Now, God, out of his mercy, I mean, he supplies our life so much. If he withheld his mercy and grace, we're sunk. We're sunk. This is not entirely an issue of our faith. Well, you know, I just believed God and I did this and I obeyed. Good for you. But the reality at the end of the day is the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God. Yet we are to be very active in seeking God and God wants this in our life. You do not have because you do not ask. And yet it says your heavenly father knows what have things you have need of even before you ask. But what he wants you to do is ask, ask. And prayer is not hard. Prayer is not hard. You need to just get before him in ways that I'm going to show you uh, this week and next week and ask. And he's going to answer. Let me go over a couple of things. And I'm, I kind of came up with some symbols that I, wanted to, that I wanted to show you here this morning. I think that will we'll help you here. First of all, and I'm just going to use this as X marks the spot here. You need a time and a place. You need a time and a place for the discipline of prayer, not reactive prayer, situational prayer. You pray wherever you are. Okay. But I think that you need a time and a place. Remember Daniel, we read about him in his upper room, his windows open toward Jerusalem. That's because they were in captivity and that's where he was praying to get back to. He knelt down on his knees three times a day, prayed and gave thanks as was his custom since early days. And so he had a time and a place. 
Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and, and the range of Jesus ministry didn't go that far. I believe that there were certain places that Jesus knew and Jesus went to as a place in my own life, in my own life, I do well to go to a certain place at a certain time. I have a study in our house. I have, it has like a dormer window and I've got a chair that's there. And that's, that's my place of prayer. That's my place to sit with God early in the morning. And I believe the time and I work, I believe this works best. And I believe scripture supports it. I, I want you to just give time and give your best to God. Don't give your time to God when you're all spent and angry and dented and dirty. And, every, you know, I, I give him your first, give him your best to start early in the morning. And, and a time and a place before God. Because if you're having a different place every day, you're having to get accustomed to your surroundings all the time. And so a time and a place will help you set a time, set a place. It's almost like a holy appointment there. And in, in Mark one thirty five, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he, Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And I want you to notice just real quick to a coupling... Of disciplines. Not only did he pray, but he went to a solitary place. He had solitude. And you and I both know you pray better when you're by yourself. You know what we do sometimes when we pray together? Let's all join hands, get in the circle. You know, we're almost praying sometimes for the people around us. We're we're choosing our words because of the people around us. You know, I pray with my wife, but my spiritual discipline of prayer is not with my wife. Because I'm, you know, I'm there with her, I'm holding her hands and we're praying. I'm saying, man, she smells good. <laughs> you know, or I wonder if she's still mad at me. You know, or, or, you, y'all with me? But the discipline of prayer, I believe, is by yourself, a, a time and a place. Secondly, and I made all this stuff up here, the, my symbols. That's a clock. That it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be long. We've, we've been given some unachievable models sometimes of what spiritual life is. And we think that we have to, you know, you hear people usually on TV. Yes, I was praying for seven hours. I can't do anything for seven hours except sleep or something, you know. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I can't pray for seven hours. You know, I, I, maybe if I'm dangling by a a root off the edge of a cliff. Maybe I could pray seven hours, you know, but it doesn't take long. How many of you know, there's some people that can talk a whole bunch and not say much at all. And then there's others. They just, and it's like, wow. And I think we should move more toward being that not just loving to hear ourselves talk religiously. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew Six verse seven. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Listen, God already knows your heart. You don't have to go in and, and give him, you know, when we talk to somebody else and we're telling them the situation, okay, I got to give you a little background on this. And then so on. So, and then all of a sudden, and, and we're going through all this. Listen, God already knows those things. And plus, we don't have to kind of qualify ourselves for God and say, now, God, let me preface this with a few. God already knows. We need to be honest to God and and realize that it doesn't, it doesn't take long. Another thing is this. And that's like the crosshairs, okay? A target. In 
And I'm using it for this. You need to settle in and center up. Settle in and center up. Henry Nouwen, he's an author and theologian. He said this, when you go to pray, your thoughts jump around in your minds like monkeys jumping around on banana trees. Do you hear that? When you go to pray, how many of you, that would be you. Come on, that's half. How many of you have some monkeys? When we go to pray, your thoughts start jumping around in your mind like monkeys jumping around on banana trees. And you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to take some time and let your monkeys settle down. Because there's things you're worried about. There's things that you're happy about. There's things you're looking forward to. There's things you're dreading. And all those things are just going around and going around and going around and going around. And you've got to give a little time for those to settle down. Here's some things that will help you with it. And, and, and this is where a lot of times people fail in prayer. They fail to get into prayer because I, I, I can't pray right now. I, I, I got too much going on. You got too many monkeys going around. And you never make it through what I call the veil or the curtain of the flesh, the veil or the curtain of your emotions, the veil or the curtain of your thoughts. And you need to honor God enough and, and respect the, the power and the privilege of prayer enough that you'll, you'll settle in and you'll center up and take some time. Here's a couple of practical things that will help you. Take some deep breaths. Let them out too. But I mean, just relax yourself, take some deep breaths. And then let me give you a truth here. Get, get this. The speech centers dominate the brain. The speech centers dominate the brain. If you have a thought that you don't like, you can bump it out and replace it by speaking a thought that you do like. You can actually replace thoughts by engaging the speech centers, not just thinking another thought, but actually speaking. And when you engage, and, and that's why in prayer as a discipline, get somewhere where you can pray what they call sota votzi. It's kind of under the breath, whisper even, but engage the speech centers, get speech going. Now, when I get up early in the morning to pray, the rest of my family's sleeping. So I'm not going, oh, heavenly father, thank you. No, I don't do that, but I, I do pray out loud, but if you need to get yourself in a time and a place where you're not worried about other people because something happens when your speech centers kick in. So while the monkeys are still settling down in your banana trees, come on, engage your speech centers. And I will do things like this. I'll just, I'll just start things like this. I'll say, heavenly father, heavenly father, wonderful Jesus, almighty God. Almighty God. And what you're doing, you're, you're causing your brain, you're causing your spirit, you're, you're bringing a focus to that. And you know what? I don't even know where the monkeys go then. And this will help you to settle in and to center up. And then one other thing as I finish this up this morning, and this is balance, balance. Let me explain this to you. Prayer is such an incredible privilege that we have, but we need a balance in it. And here's the balance between boldness and reverence, boldness and reverence. Some people have only been taught boldness. And let me just tell you, they need some reverence and they're demanding before God and they're in his, in his face. And scripture says, I can have this and and I want to say, wind down scooter. They've been taught so much their free access into the presence of God and they've never been taught reverence. And then there's some, they've only been taught reverence and they don't know that they have free access. 
And that they can have boldness and confidence to come before God. That they don't have to cower in. Jesus made a new and living way. Through his blood. Not your performance, but through his blood and through what he did for us. That even if you had a sorry attitude all week. Guess what? You still have access. Through Jesus. Not through you, through him. He made a new and living way by his blood that you and I can come with boldness. Hebrews Hebrews 10, 19 and 20, that we can come in. Hebrews 4, 16 says that we can come before the throne of grace with boldness and obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's about prayer. It's about that we have access to come in. So we come with boldness. You can come because of what Jesus has done and because of what he has promised and because you have a right to come in. But I've, I noticed this verse. I've read it before, but I noticed it in a different way just recently. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2. Now I'm almost done. It says this, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2. Do not be rash with your mouth. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I think there's a balance. I think there's a balance that even though he says, come on in. And all the promises are yours. And you have free access through what my son Jesus did for you. You have free access to come in. But, but listen to me. Don't be a brat. Come in and be reverent. Come in and be focused. Come in and give him your attention. You know, don't try to pray with the TV on and people around and eating a foot and a half long sandwich. Jesus, you're wonderful. Now, that's okay to say while you're eating the sandwich, but in the discipline of prayer, it's an incredible privilege. And we should come, listen to me, come with boldness, but come with reverence. And by all means, just make sure that you come and that you keep coming in this discipline of prayer. Because prayer, things change. And through prayer, you change. And God is our source. Amen. Amen. Before we finish this this morning, while I was praying and studying and so forth, an old hymn of the church came to me about the privilege of prayer. And I've asked Sherry and Tommy to just minister this over us. And then maybe the second time through, if you know it, um, you can sing it along. But it's an old hymn, wonderful hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. And I want you to watch the words on this. And Sherry's going to sing it over us one time. And then I'll have you stand and, and we'll sing this together. Sherry, Tommy.
you stand? Let's sing it together. What a friend. Thank you for this incredible privilege to converse and communicate with you. And our hearts rise up this morning and say, wow, help us to embrace and commit ourselves to this discipline of prayer. And we will see things change and us change and you move. And we commit ourselves to this discipline. Help us, I pray in Jesus name.